Welcome to this week's edition of the Commercial Real Estate 101 Meetup Group. Uh, for those of you guys who are tuning in for the first time, this is a uh, meetup that we do virtually uh, and we meet uh, bi-monthly and we've been doing so for the last about a year, almost a year and a half now, which is crazy to think. But uh, we pretty much invite speakers to talk about a variety of different commercial real estate topics and we invite them from all across the country. Uh, and today we actually have uh, Patrick Maroney, uh, who is affiliated with uh, Zone Properties. Uh, they specialize in cannabis real estate, which I know has been a topic that uh, has become a lot more prevalent in states across the country as more and more uh, municipalities are starting to open up these these opportunities in the commercial real estate space. So we're really excited to kind of have them to talk a little bit about the in industry. So yeah. Yeah, thank so Patrick, you for having me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I know. And and actually, I had a chance to meet your your CEO as well, Brian. Um, he's a good guy. He was on the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, which is a you know a podcast that we guys we do um, regularly as well. And he's a great guy. And you guys are doing some really awesome work. So really excited to dive in uh, to this topic itself. So what we usually like to do when we first uh, have someone on the on the meetup is we like to learn a little bit more about them as an individual. So if you don't mind kind of sharing your backstory, I think that'd be awesome. Sure, sure. So I'm I'm based here in Phoenix, Arizona. The the company's zone properties is based here in Scottsdale. Um, I grew up born and raised uh, here in Arizona. I had another career before before getting into commercial real estate, but but uh, I did move back here to Arizona in 2017 and got into commercial real estate as a mostly a broker. Uh, worked for some of the bigger brokerage shops. Uh, I was a little bit older at the time, like late 20s, um, and was having a hard time getting some traction and and, uh, and getting deals done, and so. I was lucky to link up with a buddy for uh, a year or two who had some connections in the cannabis industry. And we were like, sure, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try our hand uh, and do some cannabis deals and learned pretty quickly that we had to really send in operators and real estate investors uh, for about uh, the last three years or so. And so I've been able to get a really good book of business here in Arizona. Uh, the core of my, my business is uh, real estate brokerage for cannabis deals, but uh, have been a part of some licensing deals, have helped uh, clients on the financing side, uh, and then joined up with Zoned um, and really had more resources to do a little bit more national work. Um, and that's what we're doing right now. And so we have stuff going on in New York, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, um, and we're really branching out and, and really trying to take advantage of this opportunity to uh, uh, for in an emerging market like cannabis. So it's exciting. Absolutely. And, and I'm actually, I went to Arizona state. I went to, uh, so too. very go familiar, devils. go devils, man. Yeah. Uh, I was there. For, I went to the Crockett school there. So I was a sports broadcaster before. Oh, nice. Last, you know, I don't do you know, know you, Mar Marcel, you, do. you know, Marcel, uh, Louis Jacques and, uh, I don't, there's a, there's a couple other people that I know that, that went there too. There, I was in a fraternity college. I was in SIGEP and I was there okay. through 2009 to 2013. So got it. Got um, it. it was, yeah. We had some overlap for sure. That's pretty that's awesome. cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. And Phoenix is a growing market. I mean, it's unbelievable the changes that have been experienced there just in the last 10 years. I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost unrecognizable uh, the last time yeah. I went back. So, uh, but you're right. I mean, and, and it's interesting to hear you say regarding the the expansion of the industry itself, which is what we're going to be talking about today, because again, it's, it's becoming more prevalent in this region of the United States as well in the Midwest, uh, which, you know, historically has been kind of a little bit more of, of an opposition uh, as opposed to the coasts, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple of years. So one thing I wanted to kind of talk about um, is um, 
what exactly is cannabis real estate? Because most people, when they think of cannabis real estate, they think of these, you know, massive grow houses and everything else, which is definitely part of it. But I kind of wanted to have you elaborate a little bit on, you know, exact what exactly that is. Yeah. So there's a few different buckets for sure. I think uh, obviously there's front facing retail. Uh, mostly they're known as dispensaries. In some states, they're known as pharmacies. That's direct to consumer sales. Um, and those vary in different property types a little bit, but typically it's single tenant retail um, or, or it can be part of a multi-tenant center as well. And then there's sort of the production or cultivation or manufacturing component where uh, it can be smaller sort of flex space or smaller warehouse, small base stuff where maybe it's a little bit of cultivation, but it's a lot of... Uh, manufacturing and processing. So like vapes, kitchens for infusion kitchens for edibles, uh, some lab, lab components to it. Then there are some, some larger warehouses, which, you know, when clients take them over, they're typically just shell or there's some demo needed, but there are larger indoor grows, you know, ceiling height matters a lot. Their power matters a lot at sites like that. And then I would say the fourth component is, uh, is, is, is outdoor land sites, which are either for outdoor grows, depending on the climate, um, or, green, or greenhouses. And so it can definitely fall into those buckets. I think the only thing we don't really touch is office. I mean, I think obviously cannabis companies need office space, but there's none of the, none of the same hurdles to put you know, a few people <laughs> into an office. So those are the only deals we really don't touch on the commercial side. That makes sense. No, for sure. And and, and again, I, I appreciate you kind of delineating the different uh, properties that are affiliated with ca cannabis industry, because, you know, it, it helps put into context for those individuals who are looking to either a service those individuals, or if there are those individuals as well that are looking to occupy space in those in those properties, it, it helps provide that that sort of context. So one thing I wanted to ask you was pertaining to the, the business owner. So let's say that you are in an, an operator um, and maybe you're operating in this, in a state, um, you know, especially early on in the cannabis industry, it's, it, it was definitely an, in, an industry that has a lot of gray area. So I'm, yeah. I'm assuming there were a lot of business owners that may have been operating prior to, you know, the transition into, you know, the, the fully the legalizations within those states. And now they're looking to legitimize their operations in a more functional environment. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you is what exactly uh, are the things that business owners need to consider when they're looking to, to dive into a market and establish themselves in, as a player within that space? Uh, well, there's there's just a ton that they need to consider. I think I think the first thing is understanding the regulatory environment, not just on the real estate property side, um, as far as understanding like how difficult it'll be to identify a site or multiple sites and get those approved, but they should also understand the licensing environment in that particular state or that particular city. Like uh, it can be in places it's, it's, it's quote unquote easy to get a license. There's probably going to be a lot of competition there. Um, and so that's absolutely something to consider, uh, I guess would be the first step is to sort of assess the market factors uh, for your cannabis business. I think the other thing as someone's getting started is having a handle on, and this is the hardest part for uh, for, for, you know, uh, quote unquote, mom and pop, you know, business owners is, is getting a handle on the financing and fundraising piece of it. Uh, because you can't, you can't do the bank debt. Um, and it's expensive. It's expensive to start a business period. It's, uh, particularly expensive to, uh, to grow cannabis. Um, and so having an understanding of, of how you're going to finance or fund some of this and beginning to have those conversations early on. And then the last thing is sort of just sort of having a team at your disposal. I mean, uh, 
attorneys are making a lot of money in the cannabis space and and that there's a reason for that there you know you you need them to help navigate some of the challenges so they're one and then obviously on the property side you know architects general contractors all right so what i'll go ahead and do i guess is we'll go ahead and uh uh start back up as far as the the things to consider i know you were mentioning uh licensing you mentioned you know getting a strong team in place and you know, obviously some of the regular regulatory issues you have to overcome. Are there anything else that you need to, that you think would be value? No, I think that's, I think that's really, it is, is trying to, those are the assessing the regulatory environment as far as what, what city or, or county or state you're going into understanding the pathway to approvals there um, and what the licensing situation is like, are they limited license areas? Are they, is it going to be open season? Um, and so that's a big one. And then, uh, and then having a team together, attorneys and then all everyone on the property side, GCs, um, things like that. And then I, you know, obviously on the production, the cultivation side of things, in my experience, if you're, if it's your first sort of entry into cannabis, it's really important to bring some experts on because it really is a science in that way. Definitely. No, for sure. And, and, and so it, it, I, I'm assuming there's for a variety of different States and, and, you know, the way you can seek licensing, is going to be different. And that's obviously going to impact the, the, you know, your startup costs too. Cause I imagine in these limited licensing States, it's probably not cheap to get some of these licenses, correct? Or yeah. Like if, for example, and I, again, I don't know the, the environment in every single state, but in Arizona, there it's a limited license state. They're all vertically integrated. They just did a social equity round, but there's still like about 170 licenses. So right now there's no other plans to do a licensing round. And so you'd have to enter through making an acquisition and those are 15 to $30 million. So, I mean, uh, if you want to own a license, there's other ways, but I won't get bogged down into that. Whereas like New Jersey right now, it, it's, you know, there are still costs involved. There's application fees, uh, but you can still apply. I mean, you have to, you have to go through state rules, understand those, go through city rules, understand those. Uh, but it's right now they're accepting applications and you can get approved right now. And Mississippi is another state where their, their uh, round is coming up and it's going to be open. So it really just depends. That makes sense for sure. And then as far yeah. as zoning is concerned, I, that's another thing that I'm sure is, comes into play as well. Like, is, is it, I guess municipalities are having to, you know, reassess their zoning laws i'd imagine because now it's like okay these new uses are coming in how can we structure the 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 the, the planning of, of the city in order to make sure that certain areas of town are where these these uh, uses can be located so can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that i think that'd be helpful sure i'll keep it broad i, I would say like in a in a in a mature market like you know most of the states on the west coast or a mature state you know most of them have have city zoning codes written and I wouldn't say it's the easiest thing to, to understand. There's always nuances, but it's pretty much in their code and you follow their rules and you hope to get approved. Um, when states roll over sort of like dominoes or they open up a medical program or they open up an adult use program, the state usually uh, will put out some rules and then the cities or, or counties will have a period of time where they, um, they write a code, they opt in or they opt out. Um, and you have to follow those. There can be some frustrations with the lag time between or the lack of clarity um, in, uh, in a certain city, right? And so that's happening right now in a number of different states. And so um, that's typically how it goes. Um, and, you know, a lot of this is done with, you know, it can be, it can be tricky if, you're, if you have no 
contacts in a new state because you don't really understand the lay of the land, right? And so that's why finding a local expert, local attorney, local real estate uh, expert can help you navigate some of those things. Definitely. No, for sure. That's some great advice. And then I wanted to kind of touch back on the the financing piece because it is so important as part of the process of you know acquiring these types of commercial properties. And so you mentioned most conventional lending is not available to those interested in buying these types of properties. Uh, I'm assuming it's because is it not FDIC insured or, or what exactly is the reasoning? And then a second question is what type of financing options are available in the marketplace for people to be able to you know, acquire these properties? Yeah, that's exactly right. So any FDIC insured bank can't lend on even a cannabis real estate property uh, without uh, because it's not federally legal. We've seen a lot more financing options come into the space. Uh, it has improved as far as you know the quality of debt you can get as far as interest rate goes from a few years ago, or at least from what I've seen, that's come down a little bit. It's still higher than market because an investor or a debt lender, a hard money lender uh, is going to want, you know, they're going to want to be compensated for their risk. And so it really just depends on the profile of the operator um, and how strong they are going to be as business people. Uh, as far as negotiating some of that, but but there's a lot of hard money lending out there. There are, there are de- debt lenders circulating. There are equity investors out there. There are ways to get money um, if you're you have to be strategic about it. You can't be stubborn. Unfortunately, I, I've seen business owners in my experience that are are a little too selective about taking money, and sometimes that pays off because you don't want to rush into a bad partnership. Uh, but but at some point you are going to need to raise. You're going to need to raise money to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And you sort of have to pick, pick a lane and go for it. Definitely. No, that's some great advice. So, so that's on the, the business owner side, those interested in buying or acquiring those commercial properties in a situation where you're got you guys, cause you guys are advisory service. And maybe if you could elaborate on, on the different advisory services that you guys offer so that, that it gives us a better picture on how you guys best serve your clients. Yeah, and so we do, uh, Barrick Blackwell, our COO, and Kyle Geary, our director of strategy, really do a great job on the advisory side. I pitch in a little bit on that. Um, but a lot of what they're doing right now is uh, is helping clients uh, apply for license. I shouldn't say apply for licenses. Find real estate in new, new states for the purpose of applying for licenses. So we don't write license applications, but we do site selection. We, we pour through the code. Uh, and we, we turn over approved sites that fit within the state guidelines. So in a couple of different states now, you know, you've needed uh, an executed contract like a PSA or something that shows leasehold interest basically is one component. And the second component is uh, like a letter of approval from the town or city that says, hey, this use is approved at this site, right? And so someone will sign us up to go achieve those two things, find the property, negotiate a deal with the property owner, um, and there's a lot of different ways to structure that, right? Because it's contingent on the approval and then the ultimate approval, I should say. And then, uh, and then work with the planning and zoning or the development services department, whoever it is, to try to get a letter of approval or whatever the state requires. And so that's a big bulk of our advisory services right now. Uh, they did a great job in Ohio doing that. Uh, they're doing it in New Jersey. We're, we're looking at other states to do it in. And they have a handful of clients that they've done a great job on. Definitely. No, for sure. That's, that's we, we also just, you know, other, other than licensing, we do due diligence stuff for clients. We'll do uh, zoning homework for them, basically home, lack of a better word, but, but a deep dive on their, you know, entitlement status. We'll do uh, 
broker opinion of values, which is can be can be tricky because the cannabis premiums aren't consistent. But we do a, a bunch of those sorts of things as well. Definitely. No, for sure. And you mentioned cannabis premiums. That's one thing I wanted to kind of touch on as well on the property owner side. So let's say that you are a property owner and you own a piece of real estate, whether that's a piece of land or, you know, an industrial property, or maybe you're even a retail property that could be a good fit for a dispensary. Like what are some of the things that you need to consider or, or what are the steps you need to take in order to make sure that you are able to accomplish that goal? You mean if you're a property owner and you're saying, uh, I might have a property that qualifies? Is yeah, you might have a property or... that qualifies. And, and again, and that, that's that's another thing that maybe is another interesting topic is, is it tip more typical for people to lease these these buildings or is it much more likely that people are going to want to buy it for their own use? Uh, so that that question, is, it really varies on the user, to be mm -hmm. honest. A, a lot of groups, they'll they'll prefer to lease. I would say the, the, the ones that are just getting started typically prefer to lease. It's less cash up front. Right. But there's a lot of groups that try to own their real estate. Uh, and, and they do that for a variety of different reasons. Some of them have real estate partners. Some of them need to have the right to buy their property uh, if they're targeting an exit down the road. Um, at least they say that. Um, and so it, it really just depends. It, you really get a mixed bag on those things. But my experience is that every business sort of has a different strategy when it comes to real estate. I think the best businesses take the best real estate and work the deal that makes that gets them in the property, right? If you're like, I only want to buy, or I need a lease. My favorite as a broker is I need a lease with an option. Which a, a landlord, especially in a market like Arizona that's on fire, like it's really hard to negotiate that, right? So let's see if we can play outside the box and see if we can get you in the property. So that's really a big piece of it. But I would say it's it's, a, it's definitely a mixed bag, um, and a lot of what I do is find groups that. Uh, I find maybe a property's for sale, a group doesn't want to buy it, especially on the cultivation side where if you're looking at a $5 million building, for example, it's a warehouse and you have to plan for 200, 250 bucks a foot for improvements in your building. I mean, we're talking about 5 million for the building, uh, 10 to $15 million for or more for improvements, for power, cooling, building rooms, getting plants in the ground. That's a huge outlay of capital. Very few groups, if any, can pay for all that themselves. And so a lot of what I can do is help uh, pair a strong operator with a landlord uh, that understands the space uh, and then come in and buy it and lease it back to them, do first lien, you know, uh, hold, hold the note on the property, do first lien financing. So there's a lot of different ways to slice it. The groups that stay flexible, both on the investor side, but also on the, the company side are like that, in my opinion, in the real estate piece of the business, that's who gets ahead. For sure. So, so let's go to those property owners. So you, you have a piece of property, whether that's a piece of land or a retail property or whatever else. And you've heard about, you know, the potential of, of, of utilizing or attracting, you know, a particular tenant to your site. And it's a great site. You think it could be a phenomenal opportunity for whether you're a retail uh, dispensary or maybe a grow facility or whatever else. What are some of the things that you need to evaluate and maybe some of the steps you need to take in order to make sure that you can actually attract that type of tenant? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to, like I said earlier about market factors, when you're looking at properties, it, it's to assess uh, the value of, it's to assess what you have basically. So in a limited license state like Arizona, where the entitlement, meaning the use permit stays with the land, it doesn't stay with the operator, you are sitting on, I don't want to say a gold mine, but you're sitting on something really strong and you can command a heavy premium for that. 
in some of these other states where um, it's more tied to the license holder uh, and it qualifies, but so do all these other properties around you qualify. Like you can probably still command a premium, but if you get a little bit too greedy, you're going to, they're just going to turn around and go to someone else, right? Because this property qualifies here. So if more properties are approvable in your area, the less demand, obviously, you're going to be able to, to, to have for your property. And so I would say that's the big thing before taking a property to market um, and, 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 adver- and, and saying, okay, I have a cannabis property here and, and asking for the world. It's, it's really making an honest assessment of how rare this, how difficult your property is to find, right? And then there are always site-specific things. I mean, dispensaries are, are in my experience, harder to get approved easier to pay for and get going you know it's at the end of the day it's a retail store so it's fairly common to do standard ti's if you have enough parking uh and you can get you can get some stuff in there and, and you're up and going uh cultivation is a whole different game uh because there's a, a huge power component to it some of these growers need ceiling height uh the on, on the outdoor side you know the soil samples are important the climate's important um, and it's a lot more capital intensive. And so uh, I would say on the production and cultivation side, you really have to assess your property char- characteristics uh, in addition to how, how qualified it is from an approval standpoint to see what you have. Because like, just for an example, I mean, if you have a property that say it qualifies, but there's no fire sprinklers, fire suppression in there, and it's like 400 amps of three phase power, uh, that's going to be looked at as positive from the land use side, but there's a lot more money that's going to need to go into that to get it going. If that makes sense. Definitely. No, for sure. And then another question I had, which is kind of interesting is how does that affect the financing piece? So if let's say you own a property, but you don't necessarily own it outright, is that going to impact your ability to retain that loan on the property? Cause I know you mentioned that, you know, since it's not federally, legal how does that impact like the the covenant the covenants that are in the loan typically yeah i really try to get ahead of that early on is if uh if you don't own it all cash who's who's holding the note on on the property right is it and then they need to go through their loan documents frankly and see if they're going to be in default of their loan i've had deals die early on it was a learning experience but the tenant came up came on and was like uh, you know, you're in default of your loan. So for us to finish this, you have to pay down your debt uh, and own it all cash because obviously that's risk for tenant and property owner at that point. Um, and so that's that's really the 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 big thing. I mean, I, I've I've heard of situations where someone has a small amount of outstanding debt that the tenant, you know, they work out a deal, right? They pay it off. They they help them pay it off. You know, they get a haircut on the rate because they love the property. But it's something you need to be aware of. Uh, you you do not, I would not advise a cannabis company to sign a lease without understanding the financing situation behind the property. Definitely. No, that's some great advice. So, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the, the cannabis industry as a whole has been expanding really rapidly just over the last 10 years or so. So where do you, where do you think the, the industry is going to go over the next, you know, five to 10 years? And what are some of the things that people need to think about as they're, you know, as that, as the future unfolds? Yeah, so I think I, I honestly think uh, um, I have some opinions. I think a cannabis company or an experienced operator is going to be able to answer that question better than me. But I, I'll I'll just say I think obviously more states are going to uh, roll over and open up medical programs or flip to adult use. That's clearly happening. 
Um, I think, um, you know, federal legalization, we will see. Uh, I, I do think it'll be easier to bank uh, and eventually safe banking hopefully will pass and it'll be a little easier for these groups to raise money and for real estate investors to finance their properties. Um, and I, I just think there's been a lot of consolidation, a lot of M&A. And so obviously, if you're just getting into the business, you need to have a plan for, I think, developing brands that are going to stand out. Um, and, and my expertise uh, kind of ends there. I have a lot of respect for entrepreneurs in the space because of how much they have to navigate. Uh, and so I don't want to overstep. <laughs> no, I'll no, just leave for, it there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, 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 and I think that's just a function of a maturing industry as you start seeing these con- consolidations of these large conglomerates, you know, coming into markets and kind of absorbing those, those brands that are, you know, and have the biggest footprint in whatever market they're particular in. So you know, I kind of yeah. agree with you in that front. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to keep it relatively short because I know we're going to have a lot of questions. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and open it up to Q&A. So if you guys are watching this on LinkedIn, uh, feel free to type away in the in the chat box uh, or I should say in the screen. And then on, if you're on the Zoom call, feel free to type away in the chat box and we'll get your questions answered. So uh, Brian, so hey, hey, Brian, he said uh, he asked, how many viewers or listeners have looked into cannabis CRE deals and par- or participated in them? Maybe you guys can type away in the chat box and, uh, you know, say if you have or not. Um, next up is April. She says, I have a 136 acre parcel located in New Mexico available for sale. How does she, so how do you best connect with investors in the situation? So if you are a property owner that you think it could be a good, you know, deal or for a particular, you know, investor who wants to, capitalize on the cannabis industry what what would you what advice would you give them uh yeah i mean that's there's really no right or wrong answer for that it's it's doing everything you can to get the word out there's gonna be a lot of a lot of misses before you get a hit i mean obviously target any cannabis related fund or real estate company you could find uh you know generally they they play within a pretty defined box and so that could be a little difficult. I mean, another way to do it is to bring it to seasoned operators. And if they like it, they typically have real estate partners. I, my general advice on that is just to get the word out as much as possible uh, and, and, and start digging. I mean, it's, it, it can be tricky when, (laughs) when you don't know where to start. So I can definitely identify with that. Um, But, um, but, but, but before doing that and before bringing it to the best people, I would make a real, I would make a real effort to assess some of the specifics of the property properties to, to, to see how, how tailored it is for cultivation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause then you can present it in a, in a, a favorable light to operators that are probably looking at deals every day, you know? So if they, exactly. what's the difference, what's the difference between this deal versus that deal? Like, what is it, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. So Samita, uh, I hope I said that right. I, I don't want to mispronounce it. Uh, they ask, how do you assess risk on can- a cannabis facility from a lender's perspective? So in, in this case, I know we, it's not typically a conventional lender. I'm assuming what type of lenders are out there as far as that's concerned, and then how do they assess that risk typically? Yeah, a lender would be able to answer that question better than I can. I think, uh, from, I think in my experience, um, they are taking a higher yield because of that risk. So a lot of that risk is baked into it. I think as far as if it's a specific property or a license they're lending on, it becomes a, a function of the regulatory environment in that state, how limited, how difficult it is, or how rare the property is. And another way to put that is if this te- if I'm if I'm lending on a real estate property and this tenant goes goes dark and moves out, are there is there gonna be a line of dispensaries ready to move in here? 
or is there other are there other circumstances that would say oh there's no one left to go here that would be a big piece of it to me definitely great advice all right so genevieve hey genevieve she she asks this is a great question by the way any barriers you can speak on regarding purchasing medical office space for physicians who are looking to provide cannabis recommendations especially in a state where it might be new uh, that might be new to medical marijuana, like Kentucky. That I don't know. I don't, I, I have not done anything like that. That is a good question. Uh, I don't believe so. At least from my experience in Arizona, they have, they have doctors in retail parks and, uh, and medical office parks that, that do that sort of advertising. But I, I would imagine if it's not, if it's not written in the code, then uh, it can go anywhere. If the landlord, is, I, I would prep the landlord if I'm representing a client that, hey, this is what they do and this is what they're advertising uh, before signing a deal. But I, I don't have, I honestly don't have any experience helping those sorts of groups. Definitely, yeah. And, and that, that's a good, that's a great question. I, I would say that the best thing to do would be to talk to, you know, an attorney probably and just make sure that, you know, because if you're, a, if you're just, if you're prescribing it and maybe it's not on site, that may be different than having it on site as well. You know, there, I'm sure there's a delineation there. So having a conversation with, with an attorney or, another professional within the industry is probably going to be your best bet. Yeah. All right. So okay. Eric, Eric asks, uh, is this a question? It looks like he's just making a statement. So I'll just, I'll just read the, the statement. He said, Florida construction is definitely different and many license holders find this out the expensive way. Florida is a seed to sale requirements with new round of 17 to 19 new licenses being released in 2023. So, yeah. So it seems like he's mentioning how Florida operates as far as issuing licenses uh, throughout yeah. the year. So they only, they have a limited number of licenses they release a year. Um, and I'm sure that's, you know, depends on the state you're in, which is, you know, why you need for that. For sure. And I, I've heard Florida's a different beast for sure. I mean, I've looked at some deals there, but never done anything. Uh, but it, it's going to be a big market, certainly. Definitely. All right. Let me see if I can. Uh, I'm just looking through the, the chat box right now to answer. <clears throat> so Nick asks, uh, where do you go to invest in these deals? And as such, and as such a new industry, how do you vet operators? Yeah. Uh, so to invest in these deals, really it's, it's, there's not like a fundraise or a crowdfunding thing I'm really aware of. Uh, I guess it's, pro it could be out there. Uh, I think it's really knowing people that are in the space or if you're interested in investing in the deals, um, you know, shoot me an email and I can maybe point you in the right direction. Uh, but, you know, at the beginning when I first started, I, and I don't typically invest, I don't invest in directly into these companies, but I, and I, you know, once you start getting in the middle of a bunch of these deals, you're talking to a bunch of operators, you're talking to a bunch of money people, a bunch of real estate people, uh, that sort of deal flow comes your way very often. And so my best advice would be to just sort of jump in the fray and see what comes. Um, also, uh, what was the second question about? Uh, so how do you vet, how do you vet operators? And that, that kind of is yeah. a function of what you just mentioned, you know, the, you know, it, it's, yeah. yeah. And so like, you know, it's the same thing, you know, I, I sort of look at that, like how would a landlord would look at a, a tenant, but obviously they're, they're, it's, it really comes down to two things, their financial situation. Do they have company financials that are strong and their sales are strong? Um, or if they're more of a startup, do they come from a background where you feel like they're going to be able to responsibly deploy funds? Um, I think, uh, and then operational expertise is huge. If, if you have no experience in cannabis, if it's just 
uh, me and my brother, for example, uh, we're going to struggle. We're really going to struggle. You know what I mean? I think some of the best partnerships are, are groups that have the money piece of it handled, the business piece of it handled, and the cannabis uh, operational piece of it handled. Um, and so that would be my, my general advice on that. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure the team too. I mean, like you said, I mean, you're yeah. referencing all the partners that you, you have to involve in the process, like the real estate professionals, the contractors, the architects, everything. So. Yeah, it definitely is still, I mean, it's a very new industry in a lot of ways, but a lot of things get done over face-to-face -face meetings and people will take leaps of faith in both directions because um, that they, they have a rapport or, or a strong relationship with someone. I mean, you, you know, you see it happen. I mean, honestly, a lot of my deals, if I feel like things are stalling and we have deal points, I try to get people introduced um, and say, let's try to hash this out. I mean, I think having a personal touch uh, goes a long way when there's so many questions and it's not a standard investment or a standard real estate deal. You know, you really need to know who you're going into bed with. Definitely. And then that kind of leads to a question that I was curious about. Like, are there any resources available out there that you kind of reference that provide good context as far as these types of things that you need to consider? Um, no, honestly, when I've done my homework, I, I have done, and I don't come from an investment banking background or a financing background or anything like that. So I've had to dive into a lot of these things. Uh, but I, I, what I do is I do as much research as I can, or I lean on people I know in traditional real estate uh, and, or traditional business. And I try to parlay that as closely as I can to cannabis. That's been my advice. I, there are probably resources out there, and that's a really good question. I don't really have one I can point to though that can give you a step-by-step. -step. For sure. All right. So Sinto, I think he has a question. Uh, did you want to type it away in the chat box or do you want to um, unmute either way? Oh, hi. Uh, first, Ralph, thank you for hosting another great meetup. And second, Patrick, thank you so much for your knowledge and time. Really appreciate it. Uh, my question is uh, a couple of comments and questions uh, really quick. Um, the the cannabis deals you're involved with specifically, did you have to go through a syndication? Uh, so I'm I'm on the real estate side. I, what I do a lot of is the real estate brokerage, um, and so I don't typically raise money. I I don't raise money for groups. Just to be clear, if that's okay. what you're asking. Yeah. Okay, because uh, the I so I was presented a deal through a super secret portal a couple of weeks ago it's a friends and family deal so these guys are starting a distribution center in new mexico so i was very i guess i'm very fortunate to be involved i can't get into specifics but basically i'm learning now that the way to go about it is i have to set up some sort of because we recommended a bunch of family and friends but i have to go through a sort of syndication and i'm just now learning that these lawyers are super, super, super expensive. Um, yeah. If it was just me and my two other partners, it would have been okay. But um, no, I just wanted to pick your brain about that because these guys are like, we were talking about vetting the operators. These guys know their stuff. They've got in their application, it's like a foot big, their, their binder yeah. just for the application. So they got accepted for, dispensaries and cultivation i believe so they they're already in four other states their operations but even down to the species of spiders that they're going to use in their facilities that's what's in the application yeah. so i sure. i was highly impressed but i just didn't know 
I thought I could just invest directly, you know, but I'm learning yeah. now that, yeah. There's, there's definitely some hoops you have to jump through as far as like being an accredited investor. And just to be totally honest, that's, I'm out of my depth on that. Uh, what I can do is if you email me or, or find me, I, I'll do my best to point you in the right direction. But uh, that I'm a little out of my depth on, just to be honest with you. And I don't, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to point you in the wrong direction. Awesome. Yeah, I found you on LinkedIn. So no, I appreciate it. Cool. Regardless. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. No problem. All right. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm checking LinkedIn as well. So if you guys are watching this on LinkedIn, feel free to type away and I will get your guys' questions answered. I guess in the meantime, oh, I think we have one. So Mike asks, what are your top landlord objections that you can get when repping a cannabis tenant to lease space in their center if it's medical, if if medical is new to their state or municipality, and how do you overcome that immediate objection to keep the conversation going? <laughs> yeah, I could talk about this all day. Uh, I think the so uh, I mean immediately when you say the word weed, I I would say cannabis. Uh, right. I wouldn't say I would I wouldn't even say marijuana. I would say medical cannabis, um, and I would say. Uh, a lot of people are just going to shut the door on you. If the market's hot, uh, it's not worth it. And some that say yes will have FDIC insured bank debt on it, and they won't even know that they can't even lease to you, right? So if you're able to get past that and you're looking at a qualified property, uh, there's a few things off the top of my head, like lease structure, you know, mo almost all cannabis deals that I've seen are, are triple net lease. Most of them are absolute triple net, uh, which would mean the tenant is responsible for roof or structure. I would say you uh, you should you should prep your client for that. I would obviously negotiate to protect them as much as they can, but I would prep your client for that. I, I would expect uh, landlords to to ask because of the level of risk. They they may ask for larger security deposits, things of that nature. Uh, I would try to negotiate some kind of burn off. Right, if they if they don't default after twelve or eighteen months. Let's credit that towards their rent and they're back to a typical last month's security deposit, just for an example. Uh, obviously, there's a rent premium. Trying to figure out what's fair is really difficult, but I would prep your client to pay some kind of premium. Um, and so it really just depends, honestly, on the greed level of the landlord and if they understand really what they have. Um, and then, uh, you know, TIs are really hard. I would do everything on the cultivation side because it's so expensive. If your group needs some financing to get it done, I would really try to push for TIs if the owner is in a position to do it. But my argument on that would be uh, building specific stuff that's going to make it releasable. If there's no fire suppression, for example, um, and this building needs to be sprinkled for anyone, right? Help participate in that, for example. Um, so yeah, those are some things off the head, but I've seen every landlord objection under the sun. Um, and so it, it can be difficult for sure. Uh, also like, uh, just to touch on there's, uh, depends on the approval situation. You know, sometimes you're waiting on state licensing, sometimes you're waiting on a city use permit where you, but you need to tie up a property. And so there's a contingency period. So like, if it's a, if it's a purchase, it's the escrow, you need longer escrow period. Uh, or if it's a lease, you know, you have maybe like an exclusive contract period where the lease goes into effect after a period of time, but they're paying rent along the way. 
uh, I mean, some some landlords ask for ridiculous amounts of non-refundable money to tie up their properties. And sometimes they come from a good place because I get what they're saying, but it can be tricky to negotiate something that's fair because at, at some point they're asking for so much that it's too much risk for your client to lay out that much money. With that much unknown, because you you don't necessarily know if for a fact you're going to be able to get some of these things done. So Exactly. Exactly. And it can be a long time. I mean, in a hot market, you're like, someone's like, someone wants to tie up my property for six months. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. And each municipality that you're in has different zoning laws and rules and regulations. So what may take three or four months in one municipality may take a year somewhere else as well. So. And having a land use attorney, that's an example of having a land use attorney at your disposal who can guide you at least on timeframes and likelihood and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Great question. All right. So it looks like we have all the questions answered. Unless you guys have any other questions in particular you'd like to reference, I'll check LinkedIn one more time. I guess I'll ask you one final question. Is there anything in particular that, you know, today I maybe didn't ask you that you would, you know, like to share as far as insights are concerned? Maybe it's something that you, you know, often talk to your clients about or whatever else. Um, it's really just honestly, um, on the brokerage side of things, I I would, I just, or even on site identification stuff on the advisory side, you know, my gen, my most general advice is set expectations with your client because really nothing is guaranteed. Um, and I know that's sort of a broad statement, but you know, I I never tell a client this site is definitely going to work. You know what I mean? Or this landlord will definitely do this. Um, I, I always am, am, uh, you know, I never say, oh, the power is going to cost X amount to upgrade, right? They need to figure that out on their own because as a, if you're playing middleman, you need to, um, you need to protect yourself and try to keep the deal alive because you can't walk back things that you don't know. That'd be my general, my general advice. And there's a lot of moving parts here and that can be, be hard to manage. And then the other thing would be like, just like, especially if you're just starting, like just go with your gut. There's a lot of flakes out there and uh, you'll waste a lot of time. So uh, that those would be my general things. Then lastly, I'm, you know, obviously on the zone side, uh, you know, we have advisory services. We're helping groups apply for licenses. If, if you have a property that's out of state that you think might qualify, we're, we're willing to take a look at it um, and potentially try to position it for you. Uh, obviously we do brokerage. We have a relationship and the ability to do brokerage work in all 50 states. And we have a long, long client list. Um, and so we are looking for partnerships and things of that nature um, because we are all in on, on cannabis. So uh, that would be the final note. Other than that, I'm sorry about my internet and, uh, and they, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh no, we've, I've gotten several direct messages saying that this presentation has been super helpful. Um, so okay. we really appreciate your time. One thing we like to do is learn a way we can get, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, maybe they had a site outside of, you know, Phoenix or wherever, really across the country, because you guys operate all across the country. So if someone had a site, they wanted to, you know, pitch to you guys as far as an opportunity is concerned, or, you know, they wanted to ask questions pertaining to the cannabis industry, how can they best get in contact with you? Sure. Uh, yeah, I can, I can write my email in the. Nope. You muted yourself real quick. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll put my contact info in, in the chat. Cause my last name is a little bit, uh, it's more on with an EY on the end. Uh, and so that can be hard to, uh, to, to spell out. So I'll put that in my phone number and feel free to reach out. Um, and I'm happy to, to talk with anyone. 
Oh, for sure. And and what I'll go ahead and do is we'll we'll take that email as well. So if you guys are watching this on on YouTube as well, we're going to be posting this in the description. So what we usually do is we record this as a podcast and then post it on YouTube. So uh, if you guys are watching this afterwards, it's going to be in the description below. So, well, awesome guys. Well, if we don't have any more questions, again, thank you so much, Patrick, for your time. We greatly appreciate it. I know I gained a lot of value from this conversation. I'm sure a lot of people on the call did as well. So. Again, thank you all for stopping by this week, and we'll see you all next time. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it.